Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. It's 9.35. Gorgeous Sunday morning. Happy you're here with us here on WGN. And, uh, always uh, great to talk to our pal, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern's Central DuPage Hospital. Kevin, my friend, good morning to you. Happy Sunday. Dean, happy Sunday to you. Isn't it nice to have a weekend with decent temperatures and oh, low humidity? Hopefully everyone's getting outside. It is just perfect outside, which is why I'm predicting four inches of snow tomorrow. Yes. yes. <laughs> can't, it can't last long. <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I know. Uh, everybody is so concerned about the rising number of uh, COVID cases. All you hear uh, is that all all over the country, really, uh, COVID numbers are going up. You're hearing about more and more people that you know that are uh, coming down with COVID multiple times in some cases. Uh, talk to us uh, a little bit about this and how panicked uh, we ought to be about it all. Yeah, Dean, and I don't think it's at a point of panic by any means, but really, just like we're doing right now, it's at a point of awareness. Uh, if you want to look at you know, some of the worst places in the country, look at what's going on in New York, where the recommendation from the New York uh, Department of Public Health is now saying we want people to mask indoors and outdoors in large gatherings because their positivity rate in parts of New York is 25 percent. So oh, you wow. think about that. One out of every four people is testing positive at this time. So a little bit concerning as we're seeing the impact of BA4 and BA5, but uh I, I would just say, hey, it's an awareness thing and kind of remind us of some of the things that we can do to mitigate uh, the possibility of us getting an infection. Yeah. Uh, uh, great news for me, by the way. I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Timing. Timing is everything. I guess I'll be taking all my masks and all my uh, precaution things uh, along with me. Uh, how does somebody know if they uh, might have uh, contracted uh, COVID? Well, Dean, you know, especially at this time of the year, we have a lot of people with allergy symptoms. We have a lot of upper respiratory infections now that are resurfacing as well. But really, when you just look at the basic symptoms of, boy, I have a cough, I have a little shortness of breath, I have a fever, any of those should really trigger somebody to go and get tested. Even though we know there's not a lot we can do, although some big changes in some of the uh, treatment options for the uh, just happened this week, but certainly the awareness so that you're not going to spread it to family members or other friends. Uh, somebody on the 773 area code says, uh, uh, could you ask Dr. Most to tell us the difference between walking pneumonia and bronchitis? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, to, to answer that question specifically, but I, th- I think that to your point is it allergies? It is. Is it a simple cold? Is it something like pneumonia or bronchitis? How do yeah. you know the difference between all of those things and COVID symptoms? Yeah, so to specifically answer the individual who asked the question, <clears throat> in medicine, anytime we add the words or the letters itis onto the end, end of a word, it means inflammation of, right? Um, conjunctivitis, tonsillitis, appendicitis. So bronchitis is a, an inflammation of the bronchioles. Those are the main tubes that lead to your lungs. 
The vast majority of bronchitis caused by viruses, but can be caused by allergies, can be caused by bacteria. Individuals who smoke will have chronic bronchitis where those bronchioles are inflamed. Versus walking pneumonia, where actually that infection is in your lungs, and but it's not going to put you in the hospital. In other words, a lot of people can walk around with pneumonia. So certainly those individuals where the doctor will listen to their lungs, hear a pneumonia, potentially take a chest x-ray, but the individual is fairly healthy, we're going to put those individuals on antibiotics and let them go. So uh, that's the difference between the infection is being in the lung itself or in the tubes that lead to the lungs. Yeah, and this really, uh, really just underlines what you've been saying all along. Uh, get those vaccinations, get those boosters. That's really going to be what's going to save you right now as the numbers go up and there's a possibility that you may get infected again, that if you are vaccinated and boosted, it's not going to be as serious as it was two years ago. Absolutely. We are seeing that those individuals who have been vaccinated and boosted have much milder illnesses. The ones who we're still seeing being put in the hospital, although that number is down, are almost exclusively individuals who have been unvaccinated. So people say, well, oh, BA4 and BA5, I hear that is much milder, and I really don't have to be concerned. I've never been vaccinated. It's almost like, well, no, be careful there, because it's been much milder because the individuals who have gotten it have been vaccinated or have been vaccinated and had previous infection. So their immune system is all tuned up and ready for this. The individual who's never been vaccinated, they're seeing this as a virgin infection. Those are the ones that we end up seeing uh, going into the hospital. 219 area code asks, what's the latest with, quote, the new vaccine? Yeah. So word, you know, last week that the FDA said, hey, to the drug manufacturers, we would like a vaccine that has not only the original COVID, so original vaccine, but also has the BA4 and BA5 in it. And there's numerous reasons for it, Dean. One of them is that we're starting to see that BA4 and BA5 have been able to kind of step away from people who even had Omicron. In other words, I had Omicron. I think I should be uh, protected. I had BA2. I should be protected. Well, BA4 and BA5 are a little bit more contagious. So the FDA is saying to the drug manufacturers, we understand that you made the vaccine on the original COVID, but what we'd like now is a vaccine with the original COVID as well as BA4, BA5. Production for that is going to be the interesting part to see if we can get it done in time for really the regular flu season. And it's looking like it's going to be a little late, but it'll still be well before the Thanksgiving time frame. So these vaccines are probably coming out end of September, beginning of October. Here is Cindy on the phone line for Dr. Kevin Most. Uh, Cindy, you're on WGN. Yeah, good morning, Dr. Most and Dean. I have two questions. One of them, what happened to herd immunity? Might have to do with the variants. And two, is it still possible to catch it from touching things? How, you know, we used to wipe down things we brought from the store or use hand sanitizer when we come out of the store. Cindy, great question. You know, we all were talking about herd immunity. And when we talk about herd immunity, it would have been great if COVID just stayed COVID, because then we would have had seen some protection. But you actually answered the question by when you asked it. The, the biggest change with herd immunity now is what we're seeing is the variants. So we're not getting enough baseline immunity 
that's even going to protect us from these variants, and that's why the importance of the vaccine. And we're also still nowhere near the number for herd immunity for people being vaccinated, which is north of 90%. We're still in that 65 to 70%. As far as your second question, don't worry about uh, washing down, um, you know, your groceries or your mail, but certainly wash your hands. What we find out is the transmission often is self-inflicted. In other words, I have COVID, I cough into my hand, I shake your hand, you touch your face, you just gave yourself COVID. So certainly we want to make sure we wash our hands because we touch our face and that's how the infection gets spread. But we don't have to worry about washing groceries or, or sanitizing mail or anything like that. Yeah, I was at a wedding last night. And, you know, at, at a wedding, there's handshaking, there's hugging, you know, there's uh, closer contact than I've been used to than in the last couple of years. I was very uncomfortable with that much touching and like constantly going to the restroom to wash my hands. Uh, when when all that was uh, going on. Because sometimes, you know, you want to give a fist bump, but somebody's already, you know, they've already grabbed your hand pretty much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely, Dean. And you make a really good point. When you're in a large group of friends like that, you know, if you shake someone's hand in in an interaction and then you go and wash your hands, you're like, okay, I feel pretty good. But in those big social interactions, it's not like you're walking around with hand gel and you're washing your hands after every, you know, interaction. You're handshaking. You might shake the hands of five people if you come into a conversation. So we really have to be aware of that and try not to touch our face during these interactions. Yeah, yeah. There, there was one point last night where, uh, you know, a bunch of people, we, you know, we greeted each other, shook hands. And just then I felt like a little itch on my face and I was about to take my handshaking hand and scratch and I had to stop. Yeah. Like, ooh, that's the dirty hand. I don't want to do, do that. <laughs> Let me take a break. We'll come right back with uh, Dr. Kevin Most to answer more of your questions. 312 981 7200. Michelle's on the line with Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. Hi, you're on WGN, Michelle. Hi, good morning, Dean. Good morning, doctor. A uh, question I think a lot of people are feeling. I turned 65 a couple weeks ago, and I have a bunch of uh, risk factors. Um, how do I deal with the anxiety that I'm having every single day? Because I just feel like we're all targets. I'm vaccinated and boosted, but um, I know we discussed herd immunity but is this something we're going to have to live with the rest of our lives that we're just going to is in other words is this going to keep mutating um is 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 this ever going to get to the point where it's just like the flu or the common cold where people might be hospitalized but um it's just the anxiety from this is just it's gotten exponential with me yeah i i I think with a lot of people michelle Absolutely, Michelle. You are not alone. And it's uh, anxiety not only for the individual like yourself, 65, with risk factors, but also for the children of you who are concerned about their parents uh, and other friends with risk factors. So really, how, how do you treat that portion of it, the anxiety? I think if you have a focus of mitigation of what can I do to protect myself, and that's about all that you're going to be because that's what you have control over. But you do hit it right on the head. This is certainly appears like it is going to be with us for quite some time. We still see more mutations. People say, well, we haven't heard of mutations. There are more mutations in the world right now, but BA4 and BA5 are obviously the ones that are most predominant. And is this going to get to be more like the flu and the common cold? 
Absolutely. I think you're going to see in the fall here, like we were just talking about, that this is going to be a seasonal vaccine. And hopefully we're going to be able to get it to a point where we get protection for a full year or at least, you know, six, seven, eight months during the flu season. Yeah, that makes sense. That'd be great. What I'm finding is that people are falling to two camps. They're either like me or they're thinking, oh, it's over, you know, or or the people that kind of didn't acknowledge it to begin with. Right. In other words, the idiots. <laughs> but I don't I just don't understand the the people that don't see this for what it is. I mean, we're hearing the news that BA four and five now are, you know, um, becoming extremely virulent and, and, and widespread. Um, I'm just having a lot of trouble um you know, really accepting this and trying to trying right. to go on with semi-normal life. Yeah. So how, do, how does she yeah. deal with that anxiety, Kev? What do you what do yeah. you recommend for something yeah. like that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it, you can take medication for anxiety, but I don't want to go there. What I look at for this infection is, one, don't get frustrated with other people because you can't control what they're going to do. But certainly do what you can do to control yourself, which should be able to at least lower your anxiety level to say, hey, I'm doing everything I possibly can. I'm going to make sure I continue to wash my hands. I'm going to continue to wear a mask. I'm going to continue to do the things that we're doing in the height of this. Because like you said, you can't, you know, always we're told, you know, don't try to argue with stupid people because you're not going to get anywhere and you have no control over them. So you personally should try to do everything you can to control the environment that you're in. And hopefully that will lower some of your anxiety. What about like some uh, anxiety lowering techniques? I mean, I I know some people meditate, some people exercise to get rid of uh, stress and anxiety. Those kinds of things would look... We don't promote that. Michelle, I like Dean's two answers before. You might be batting like third there, but certainly, you know, getting out and exercising, you know, trying to eat healthy, trying to do all the things you can to, again, control yours. And meditation is very good. Individuals that can sit and meditate and just, it kind of just drains everything from their mind and really has been shown to be very helpful in people especially if they get to that point of anxiety and then they can calm themselves down. Yeah, I know it sounds like, you know, new agey and, Ooh. you know, but uh, even even just, uh, you know, like, like yoga, right, Kev? Yoga yeah. is uh, supposed to be very good for stress and anxiety as well. Yep. Sure. Yoga, Pilates, exercise, all of those are really good. And it's, you get the two winners. You get the, only the mental health portion of those exercises, but you also get the physical so it's good for your heart, it's right. good for your lungs. It decreases some comorbidities in people. You might lose a little bit of weight. Your high blood pressure may come down. Yeah. So really, you do have a, it's a win-win there. Yeah, the only problem with that, Michelle, is it's hard to hold your martini glass while you're doing uh, the, the yoga exercise. <laughs> well, I, thank you so much. As I said, the only thing that I think of now is that, God forbid, if I do come, you know, come down with this, at least I know. I get to the doctor quickly enough, there are some things that they right. can do, right. some things we can take. And yes. that's kind of been a balm to my anxiety as well. Right. It's not as not as serious as it was once was. Good luck to you on that. Speaking of anxiety, uh, Kev, I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, uh, ev- everybody has felt uh, stress from the Highland Park shootings that took place. Uh, certainly people who live there, people who were there and witnessed it. Uh, but everybody is feeling some anxiety and everybody is very concerned uh, with how kids are reacting 
to the constant news, uh, to the constant threats, to the constant dangers. Uh, it, it, are, are there some health factors that uh, might, uh, you know, come up as a result of all of this? Dean, I, I so appreciate you bringing this up. You know, it's not only Highland Park, but it's also Uvalde. It's the school shootings. So you think of kids that those are areas that they used to think are safe. Going to a parade was safe. Going to school was safe. And fortunately, unfortunately, we live in this time right now, 24-7 news. And I would say to parents, watch out for kids. Look for kids that are hypervigilant to threats, that there are to uh, different potential threats. You know, look at those individuals who don't want to go someplace that they really liked to go before. Look at those kids who are trying to isolate. Those are kids that need to be um, I'm not going to use the word treated, but really need to be treated. Certainly parents can attempt to sit down and talk to their kids. But if you get to a point where you're starting to see that child, certainly get a hold of your pediatrician. See if they can sit down with a child psychologist. Um, Really important. You know, you look for things that that they didn't want to, that you really, really liked to do in the past. And now they have no desire to. It's almost symptoms of like depression but it's actually anxiety and it's almost like ptsd they're trying to stay away from those places that they saw on the news bad things happen to people and believe it or not parents you got to be really careful what's on your tv your child may be sitting in a corner drawing in a coloring book but they're listening and they are finding out what's going on when that news is on yeah and it's just been so absolutely horrific i can't tell you the number of uh, friends of mine who are parents who have told me that their kids are scared to go outside now. Uh, you know, they don't live anywhere near Highland Park. They don't live anywhere near any where anything has happened. But they've been exposed to all of this, and now they're afraid to go outside. So it is something that parents need to deal with. The, the other thing I wondered, what kind of signs should parents look for that they may have a troubled child who might commit uh, a horrific crime like this? Yeah, Dean, you know, again, look for that individual who is really isolating themselves. Look for that individual. And hopefully parents have a good grasp of social media and where their kids are going. And look for kids who are interacting. You know, you don't want to choose your uh, children's friends, but certainly you want to look to see who are they interacting with and how they have a focus on violence. I mean, I hate to say it to, to kids and parents. Video games are so focused on violence right now that it almost gets kids to start thinking that way. And there have been many studies that are looking at, currently studies that are going on right now, looking at the impact of video games and how kids look at not only violence, but look at death and look at you know other things that are going to potentially impact their mental health. Yeah. So certainly parents should be looking for those kids who are isolated, feel that they don't get any attention, um, and, and those are probably the biggest things. Yeah, you are the best, my friend. Thank you so much, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great Sunday, Kev. Thank you. You got, you got a team. We'll talk soon.